It has been two years since the trade galaxy was shaken to its core by the actions of a single, mismatched, multi-species crew. Whatever you think of the heroes of Yentao, also known as the Space Squad, one thing is certain. All eyes are watching for whatever they do next. Last time in the Maelstrom Galaxy, you returned to the surface bringing the mysterious pod with you to find a city wounded but still doggedly carrying on regardless. After all the chaos and excitement and fear of the long, 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 long night you've had, it was only in the light of day that you realised the true scope of what you now face. The end of the universe is upon you. What do you do next? I think Schlurp set up a meeting? Yeah, yeah, I texted you all while we you know, while we were all in the same room. <laughs> Wait, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I should, like I remember like as we were leaving Lady Zenith, just like, hi, maybe the thing. Absolutely, absolutely classic millennial. No judgment, because I have literally messaged Paige while I'm sitting right next to her. Like everyone else is talking. It's like I needed to communicate. I think I said like come to the AI camp at noon tomorrow. I have something to tell you all. That's so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> at noon. Not even at 12. At noon. At high noon. Hi, dude. We're all having a duel. <laughs> I think I probably also contacted Prisha to tell her to come along as well. I very quickly followed up that text message with, yeah, also, I owe the lady Zenith a favor. Uh, forgot to tell you about that. Shit. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> Grill, is there anything else anyone wants to get off their chest? <laughs> Faraday puts in like the eyes emoji, like. Ooh. <laughs> um, Crick puts dot 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 dot. Full <laughs> confession. My arm is uh, cybernetic. <laughs> <laughs> I know this comes as a shock to some of you because it's, you know, it's very realistic. Shocked Pikachu face. Are we role playing texting? <laughs> yeah, apparently. We are role playing texting. I'm going to say that. You're probably still on the jellyfish because you you sent those texts like while all being in a room together. Yeah. There's definitely like one of the ladies in his hands. Quite clear. It's like, <clears throat> don't you have places to be? I guess we can carry this on in the elevator. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stands the elevator, texts at each other. <laughs> did you did you text that or did you say? For expediency's sake. Would you like to skip to the meeting at high noon the next yes, day? Yes, please. High noon. No, I want to have to... more text conversations. <laughs> I want to hear what IMO means to people. I want to hear what um, uh, LOL means. I want to hear Faraday describe what she does, like her shower routine, what conditioner she uses. <laughs> what, like the specific scent of her soap? Yeah. Who's I want to talk seller? about shower temperatures now. <laughs> Maybe we should skip ahead. It's noon. <laughs> it's noon. Just a loud city announcement that just says, it's, it's noon. noon. Wow, glad we have a yelling clock that tells the whole city what time it is. I love that Schlurp was like, I know we're all on the jellyfish. I want everyone to come back down to the planet to see me. Tomorrow. Next day. It's a very, very extra. It's very barred, I have to say. <laughs> I'm going to make you go back down to meet me, and then we'll probably have to come back up again. And we're going to meet at noon, even though we're all together in an elevator right now. We're going to go out to the forest and meet tomorrow at 12 exactly under the hot sun. When you have an important confession, you have to make it dramatic. Come on. It's noon. So exactly noon or are we talking eleven fifty-nine? It's noon exactly. <laughs> After all this, it's noon exactly. <laughs> it is exactly noon out in the forests to the east of New Analu. The trees are lit bright pale blue, bright pale azure by the sun and by the glare shining off of the gas giant this this um little moon orbits. You have, as Schlurp requested, met on the outskirts of the AI Alliance encampment, which is just this um, tucked away, hidden, mini, mini satellite town of, of tents and half-disguised buildings and structures. Crick, you were here like just the other day to talk to, to Kumi. Maybe for some people this would be the first time visiting. 
Lorelei, I think this is probably your first time visiting, I would guess. Yeah, Lorelei's like Vive the Revolution and everything, but also Lorelei's not overly fussed about tech stuff, so she probably wouldn't have visited unless yeah. Schlepp, Schlepp invited her. Also, it's a really long. It's so far. <laughs> it's so far, and you've got tiny legs. It's a bit of a trek, honestly, and it's not like there's a public transport line. It probably <laughs> took you, like, if you didn't take a, a bike or something, it probably took you, like, an hour or two to get out here. <laughs> Again, let's re- let's revisit this. Schlepp has made you walk for over an hour. <laughs> <You're> t- <laughs> I said this, I didn't know this is going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that case, Lorelei is 100%, like, 15 to 20 minutes late. <laughs> She underestimates how long it's going to take to walk out there. Noon comes and goes. Four of you stand on the outskirts of the AI Alliance encampment, waiting for Lorelei, who eventually trudges up, looking kind of bit tired and a bit like fuck on her face. And yeah, it's now all five of you. Prisha rocks up on time. Actually, no, Prisha lives here. She's early. She's waiting for you to arrive. Corel's arms are quite firmly crossed and they are looking expectantly at Schlurp. Prisha uh, taps you on the back of the hand and just goes, why'd you call everyone out here? Okay, so for one thing, I did not know it was going to take, it was going to be like a whole thing for everyone, so I apologise to making everyone war. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very good at geography, apparently. Please, Schlurp, I've been waiting for this for like 15 hours and there are so many possibilities. Are you in trouble? No. Are we collectively in trouble because of something you did? No. To my knowledge, I didn't do anything. Sure, tell us. Okay, I'll preface this with a couple of things. One, forgive me if this is bad. I'm not used to confessing things because I don't normally keep secrets. And two, I should have told you all of this a long time ago, even before it became worryingly relevant to current events. So I'm going to apologize for that now, because I know you will be like, oh, why didn't you tell us? And this is me saying that. Sure. Go on. Okay. I guess they're like their shoulders rise and fall like they're breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, two years ago on Yentao, you know that, that thing where the where bad things happened? And I went down in battle and then I came back. In the medium time, I was somewhere else. Somewhere else? Yeah. Um. Oh boy. Um. So, you know that place that the Lady Zine showed us yesterday? That big library? Yeah. That big library has a name. How do you know that? Because I went to that big library, and I was there for. A period of time. How long is a period of time? Like three days? What well, t- time was? Time was a bit strange there, so it's not like I had a calendar. How long? Six months. Six months. Six. I was there for I think I'm six just, months. I get ten minutes, and you get six months. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because that's the. Priority. It very much is in Corel's mind in that moment. <laughs> Schlurp, you are standing on the steps of a grand building on an avenue that never ends beneath a grey sky. And standing a few steps above you in the doorway of this ostentatious building is a being. This being is carapacean like Corel but different. They almost have the horned head of a stag beetle, and they have giant iridescent wing casings covering much of their back, giving them a slightly like hunched appearance. This being looks down at you, and though their eyes are kind of black and beady, you feel very seen in a way I can't fully explain. The being stays still, staring down at you for about five seconds, And then they take a step down, and then another, and then another, until they are standing right above you. They are much taller than you. They tower over you. They're perhaps nine feet, ten feet tall, a a veritable giant. And when they are standing right in front of you, they raise their hands up, 
and start to move them through the air in very like deliberate patterns. And as they do, um, light forms in the air constructing words. Hello, little lost one. Welcome to my library. The being nods and then steps to the side, like gesturing with one arm as if to like invite you in. Uh, 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 okay. Um, I will say, Shlad, like if you take up that inv- invitation and you're walking in, um, you have this weird feeling that you're not quite sure how you got here. Like your body aches, so it feels like you might have been hurt, but it's kind of a blur of green lights and shouting voices. Uh, can can you tell me why I'm here? I'm a bit... Everything's a bit blurry. You were between. Between what? This life and the next. Oh, like, was that was I in danger? Uh, oh, I really don't know what was happening. You know, my friends are. I swear we were doing something. Elsewhere. Where is elsewhere? Is this? Where's this? Where's else? What is happening? My name is Kavoris. Nice, not uh, nice to meet you. The being kind of huffs a soundless little laugh and then puts an hand on your back and kind of guides you into in through the doors and into the library. Um, inside, it's got that same kind of eternal, unending feeling as the road outside. Like the, You can see shelves, but you can't seem to make out where they end. And I will say as well, the hand on your back feels weird. It feels like it's not touching you. It feels like it's touching through you. Like... You're not entirely there, if that makes sense. Can I, like, look down on my hands? Yeah, your hands are see-through and fuzzy, and they are not the hands of a sight. Is there something wrong with my hands? I feel my hands shouldn't look like this. You are a... spirit. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'm a spirit. Maybe I am? I don't know, there's so much I don't remember. You will remember and return when you are ready. How, how, how long is that going to be? Like, maybe I'm ready now. I don't, I don't know. However long you need. That's not very helpful. And the being laughs again and then lets go of you and walks away. Wait, wait, hey, where am I? What is this? What am I supposed to do here? I will say that over the course of your time in the library, the being known as Kavoris is never super clear and is very fond of leaving. It's like he can't bear to be in the presence of other people for very long, uh, as if he, like, he looks upon you with this sadness, like he knows something's going to happen, but it's like he does it to everyone he meets. In the time that you spend in the library, you are free to wander the shelves and do whatever you wish. Time time is blurry here and you don't really notice the passing of the days. It's just that one day you get up and you wander the library and then Kavoris is there again. He takes your hands in his and when you open your eyes, you are back in the fight in Yentao right at the end of everything in a brand new body with powers you don't you didn't have before. Now everyone can, can carry on roasting them. There you go. <laughs> Six <laughs> months. Give or take. Why why didn't you say? How am I supposed to say that? I mean Well, we've seen a lot of weird stuff. It's not like it's impossible to comprehend. Like traveling to a different plane of reality and just being there alone for six months? That's just that's something I. That's something I, I. We could have supported you with. More to the point, what did you learn? I understand that that's. I would like to first ask Schler if they're okay. I mean, I think the reason I was there is because 
Kavoris thought I needed help, so he was helping me. Like, you know, I was in a very bad state during that fight, well, with losing my body and everything else. Honestly, I think it did help, and I almost feel guilty that I got to do that, but everyone else who had everything else happen didn't get to do it. Why would you feel guilty? You died. Honestly, after a time, it was quite peaceful. I mean, at first it was first it was scary because you know this big bug guy just kind of came and went, and I didn't know what was happening. But after a time, I just kind of had time to do some processing, try and figure some things out. That's why I feel guilty because I'm I'm glad that it happened, and you know none of you got to. Just chill for six months in a ghost library. You had to do, you know, scary fighting. And I just got to have a chill time. Corel is trying to keep their mouths shut at this point, but you can see them scratching at their exoskeleton as this continues. I think Faraday's going to, like, put a hand on Corel's back to be like, <laughs> okay, we'll get to it. Schlart, what, what do you think it is that means you're ready now? Like, what did you do? I didn't really do anything while I was there. I just, I was there. I played music. I looked at the books sometimes. That, that's it. Gorel starts to scratch even harder. <laughs> so, obviously you came back in a different body. Like, have you run, like, a, a diagnostic? Have you had any sort of tests as to what might be different? Do we need to run tests? Uh, no, I don't, I don't, I think that's fine. Um, it did... There has been, like, a couple differences. You know how I've learned some new magic, but sometimes the magic goes a bit strange? Yeah. I, that only started after I came back from the library. Fascinating. Well, there was that one time you tried some magic pancakes and they were muffins. And I thought nothing of it at the time, but thinking back, that was a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's other times where I'd, like... Turned into a plant once. Oh, Schlurp. And I hug Schlurp. I hug back. Again, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't tell you. I know how hard this must have been to deal with. And I know how difficult it must have been to tell us about it. Um, and yeah, I, everything's okay now. I, I, but I should have told you sooner that maybe no. you would have known about the fight. You wouldn't have gone down. I actually agree with Schlurp. No, Schlurp, it's like you said, you didn't learn much while you were there. It was just a process of self-reflection. And you're telling us now, and that is a good time. And it's all good. But I want you to know that if something like this happens in future, you don't need to keep it a secret. The next time, says Prisha... The next time you keep a secret from me, we might just be done, Schlurp. You have... <sighs> I feel as if sometimes you don't tell me things and then still expect me to do the emotional labor of caring for you and about you. And that's not fair. It isn't. I'm glad you understand. I won't hug you. I need some time to think about this, but I know that you know you made a mistake here. Yes. But we both also know that <sighs> this situation is too dangerous for things like anger and spite. You're my kid, whether or not I asked for you. You're big dingus, but I do love you, but I'm still allowed to be angry. Okay? Okay. And then she comes over and fist bumps your knee and then just goes and sits down on the floor. <laughs> she doesn't leave, just... just there. I think she's kind of... She almost leaves and then is like, no, Prisha, be good. I think I'll sit down instead. <laughs> oh, no. Lorelei has just sort of been sat on the floor this whole time, just sort of eyes kind of squinted, looking a little bit confused. And is like, if you learnt nothing there, then how did you know what that thing was? I was in a library. I was going to look at some of the books at some point. And I remember one of the times going through the books, I found information about the Pyrrhic Vanguard. I, I read about it. I see Corel bursting at the seams. 
Um, if you, if you do remember, they are welcome to ask me anything they want to know about the library, and I'll answer as best as I can. I think I owe at least that much, if not just so much more. Corel nods, pulls out a pad of paper, and starts writing a list of questions. No, no, no. This is for later. This is for for later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lorelei is pissed off because she's pissed off with Schlurp for not saying anything about this. But she's also aware that she can't say anything about it herself because she hasn't told you about why she owes the Lady Zenith a favour. <laughs> I'll say now, if any of you... I understand if none of you really know what to say now. You can come and talk to me later, I guess. Oh, I'll be talking to you later. And Corellis moved on to another sheet of paper. <laughs> also, if none of you want to... If none of you do want to see me for a while, I also understand that. No! Uh, uh, grab them. That is not the issue here. At this point, Lorelei pipes up and is like, Your apology is appreciated, but don't be self-deprecating to the point where we have to do the emotional labour of making you feel better. No, I don't I don't want anyone to try try and make me make me feel better. Like I just that if you're if you're angry, like I understand that. It's Slurp. What did you learn? I know you said you didn't read often, and I know that it's probably a context of you don't know what to tell us. Like you wouldn't have known to tell us about the Pyrrhic Vanguard without it appearing because it wouldn't be relevant, right? Was it always a weapon? No. Well, how about we start with that then? We start with what we know. Well, yeah, the basics, right? Yeah, what is the Pyrrhic Vanguard? The Pyrrhic Vanguard is a servant of the god of fire. This would be the being that the Lady Zenith told us about, right? Yeah, I think, good guess, that thing that kind of stands up a bunch of stuff in flames, yes. The thing is, they don't normally go after pods and throw fireballs at people. They're supposed to be peaceful. If they're servants of what it seems to be a very violent, destructive god, I find that hard to believe. What, what do they do instead? The god of fire isn't supposed to be destructive. You know, I mean, fire can burn things, but also, you know, there's campfires, there's being warm, there's being loved. There's a lot of different meanings to fire. But Vanguard is a military term. And if the god of fire is supposed to be nice, what happened? They're supposed to guard the elemental plane, and I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just know what I read in the books. You just said elemental plane, as if that's a thing we all know about. Oh yeah, um, they're elemental planes. Is Krell on like page three of questions? <laughs> oh, now. come on. We know page Krell's on page seven. Okay, yeah, so there are there's elemental planes. So the place I went, I think we've been calling it the Grey Place. That's also got a name, because funnily enough, people don't just call places Grey Places. Um, it's called the Pantheon. So I guess that's where the gods hang out. And that's like a main realm, and then that's orbited by different elemental planes, one of which is the Fire Plane. What's it called? The Solarinum. And the God of Fire, they have a name. They're called Pyros. Um, yeah, normally they just kind of chill in their own plane. Except for now, I guess. If there's a God of Fire, does that mean we can just find the God of Water and like, you know? Like a bucket? No! <laughs> wow. I'm sure like Corella's gonna have like a hundred questions for you later, so maybe like last one for now, but... If that's the Pantheon, I mean, Corel, when, when you went, did it look much like a Pantheon to you? Necropolis seems close to the mark. Do you know what happened? Uh, Kavoris, that was the, that was who let me in to his library. He never let me go outside. So I guess there must have been a reason for that. Maybe, there was, I guess there was something dangerous out there. Maybe it was Pyros, maybe, yeah, maybe he just didn't want me to see a dead city. I don't know. Whenever I tried to ask, he just kind of avoided the question. Corral, um, if it's if it was like a necropolis for you, and that means that the gods are dead, um, Schlurp, this Kavoris guy, why is he alive? I have to admit that was actually quite high up on my on my question list. I'm just going to cross that one out. Have you ever wanted a podcast that tackles the hard questions, 
Like, why do wizards wear those pointy hats? Is it morally okay to burn your name into a table? Is there a difference between dead and never waking up? Well, if you've ever wanted to know the answers to any of these questions, then I have a podcast for you. We are Goblets and Gaze, a bi-weekly Pathfinder 2E podcast. Join our cast of an angsty barbarian, a pyromaniac goblin, a girl whose family loved astrology a little too much, a cultist, and a hot topic reject as they journey to a lost city and try to keep a twink alive. Follow us all on your social media at Goblets and Gays. Join our Discord as well, and we hope to see you out there. Goodbye. I, I don't know because he stayed in his library. <laughs> Pretty sure looks quite pleased with herself and just like tugs at the collar of her shirt, like, mm, yes. I'm what smart. What did this look like? Um, I mean, he guess. I guess if like you took Corel, but instead of being like Corel, they're a stag beetle instead. Well, what about accessories then? Were they carrying anything? Um, I mean, he was often carrying around, like, this little black book. And I saw him writing in it sometimes. Don't know what he was writing, though. So you keep saying this library had a name, but you haven't actually said it yet. Sorry, there was a lot else to say. The library was called the Broker's Vault. And appropriately enough, Kavoris was, is, is the god of knowledge. And what does he do? Like, is it his job? Does he have a pension? I don't. I don't think gods have pensions. I think they just they're, like they're gods. What does he do then? Does he just walk around with books for eternity? I mean, that's about all I saw him doing during my six months. Like I said, he wrote in that little black book sometimes, but the rest of the time he just kind of was in and out. And do you know what he was doing when he was out? Honestly, I didn't ask very much. You you spent six months with a god, and you didn't ask any questions. Corel just takes a deep breath and goes back to writing <laughs> questions on the pad. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I asked questions, but like, either he gave really cryptic answers or he just avoided answering. Just I guess just because you're a god of knowledge doesn't mean you need to tell everyone the knowledge. It's the god of knowledge, not the god of sharing. So, what, what are you going to do now? I don't know. I assume we're all going to work together to try and figure out this apparent end of the universe thing. The Lady Zenith has given us a lead. She has. Well, I guess step number one is to make sure we're back in time to babysit Iris. Yes. So I guess we do that. We meet with this specialist, maybe have a look at the pod again, and go from there. Do we have any idea who this specialist might be? No. Even that seems to be conditional on the babysitting. I guess the idea is if it's the end of the universe and... Piras can destroy gods or the gods are gone or whatever I guess we need to get ready to pack but do we know that the Piras destroyed the other gods is that something we know it could be the Piras was just the, the it could be an, an external threat to the gods and the Piras was simply the one strong enough to survive I just I'm not so sure how important it is to figure out why Pyros is going around burning things down you know cool motives still murder and all that Yes, but it might give us a, a, a hint at how to deal with it. Right. Number one. As lovely as this forest is, apparently I need to go pack, because the end of the universe is happening, and we're going to have to do something about it. Now, Schlerp, thank you very much for telling us everything that you know. It's been very helpful. I'm going to go, and I'm going to pack up my things, and I'm going to get the ship ready, because apparently that's what we do now. Um, Laura Laisley, she just sat in the corner with her hand up, and was like... <laughs> Whilst we're telling people important things, um, I put it in the group chat. Oh, but, yes. Uh, and I figured I should probably clarify. Um, as Faraday knows, I'm not sure about the rest of you, I go and see the Lady Zenith maybe once every two to three months to uh, have tea. And um, she has been helping me with some research so I owe her but it's very much a case of I owe her I was trying to work out something I could do myself because the last time I owed her I already had something she wanted oh Laurelie darling I don't think that's how it works I don't think you find something she wants I did last time what was your research on 
in the spirit of full disclosure, my ex-girlfriend. Just, just for context, I'm not a creepy stalker. <laughs> I was looking for the information on my ex because it is relevant to the safety of the entire galaxy. Who did you date? I'm gonna rewind a little bit. You know how the Araswati on Chorus, there's probably maximum about 20,000 of us. And I was only one of somewhere between 150 and 300, maybe more, who were sent out to find um, and complete the star map. Obviously, many of these people did not come back. Uh, some because they have died, and some because they chose not to. My ex-girlfriend is one of the people who chose not to come back. And the reason she chose not to come back is because she is, um, the pirate queen of the galaxy. Wait. And head of the Golden Corsairs, Tali. Golden Horn? What? Oh, this. What the fuck? Slurp, didn't you? Didn't, didn't you make fun of Tali? I what? did a lot of things to her. You did a lot I, more than that. Yeah, she did a lot of things to us too. Like stealing we... my sibling. We. She nearly roasted us. We put her in jail twice. Twice. She set us on fire! Oh, you keep some interesting company! She has always been explosive and revolutionary, but it wasn't until I left Chorus and came out into the wider galaxy that I learnt of the violence she now revels in. So I've been keeping an eye with the help of the Lady Zenith because she is incredibly smart and incredibly dangerous and if anyone can stop her in any way other than killing her i don't want to sound big-headed but i think it would probably be me and as long as go as it was i don't want her dead four and a half days after your meeting at the edge of the ai alliance encampment faraday it's 8am and you res you feel that familiar buzzing tickle in your head that means someone is reaching out to you via the spell sending. You receive the following message in the following voice. Dr. Lewis, your expert has arrived. Come along and meet him. And then take him out or get rid of him. He's the worst. <laughs> uh, I think she probably gets back like a very sleepy... <laughs> Thank you. We'll be along soon. All best. <laughs> Signing off like it's an email. Well, be polite. <laughs> kind regards, Faraday. Ooh, kind regards, Savage. But yeah, you've received a summons. What do you do? Get in the group chat. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to say what the message is or else we'll just end up in a rabbit hole. Uh, get in the group chat. Tell everybody that we can go and see the specialist. Shall we just say, for expediency's sake, that you meet at the jellyfish? <laughs> Please. Yeah. I think they, um, they were under, under the disguise self spells that they are their human sona. Cool. In that case, uh, with you and your human sona, I will say you definitely get waved at a couple times on your way up to the jellyfish. Okay, so you all arrive in the Lady Zenith's throne room. Um, the room has a slightly different layout today. The throne is still in the center, but there's a couple of comfy couches against one of the walls. And you can see um, little little teeny tiny Iris and Dr. Liam um, sat on the floor playing with a set of blocks. Sitting in the throne is the Lady Zenith and standing right next to her throne, talking animatedly while she stares at him in undisguised boredom um, is this Namazir, this really kind of old stooped Namazir with like really drooping barbels and whiskers, just kind of standing there going, oh yes, yeah, so well when you consider this so it's quite interesting, really. Like just standing there fumbling all four of his hands while she just sits there looking quite trapped. And as you guys arrive, she goes, Oh, excellent, excellent. 
My dear Umitana, may I present the specialists? The specialists. With uh, the problem that you came here to help them with. And the Namazir, whose name is Imitana, goes, Oh, hello there. I, uh, you, you were the ones who brought the pod. I don't know what the fuck this is, but apparently <laughs> Amazing. this is This is Paige Gremlin. You can't see me, but I have to like wriggle my hands in the same way to get the voice. <laughs> is this an, a name Corel would recognize? Yeah, you absolutely recognize this Namazir, Corel, because they were one of your teachers. When you were growing up. Oh, neat. <laughs> uh, this this particular name is it probably taught you languages and history. And you know that their full name is Umitana Naamats. Would they have had a title as far as they were my teacher? Uh, I think you probably would have you probably would have called them Dr. Umi. Fair, fair, fairly informal class room environment then. Yeah, like I think Umitana is probably one of the good ones. So Umitana stands there going, Oh, yes, you're the, you're the one who brought me the pods to look at. Wait, wait a second. I know that he felt a... Corel! Corel, how are you? And he comes shuffling, <laughs> shuffling down. Oh. Uh, the doctor, Dr. Umitana. Um, yes, pleasure. Pleasure to see you again. He grabs your hand with one of his hands and then, like, moves it to a different hand until he's shaken your hand with all four of his hands. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, it's, it's such a pleasure to see you after everything that happened at the new colony. I was worried I would never see any of my old students. Uh, yes. yes, likewise. So, uh, you brought me to look at the pod. Yes, 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 we did. And um, on her throne... Uh, the Lady Zenith wafts a hand and then two of her red-coated uh, employees, let's say, uh, come scurrying to the centre of the room carrying the pod between them and put it down on the floor. And um, Umitana immediately like goes to it um, and then kind of yanks her hand away going, Ooh, it has something of a sting, doesn't it, this one? It's a thirsty yes, thing. Yes, yes, some, some draining effect. Mmm. Definitely conflicting two schools of magic, uh, divination and evocation. Uh, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, it is. He kind of strokes one of his long whiskers, uh, the Namazir being quite like catfish. He kind of strokes his long whisker all the way down to the very end of it. It's taking so long. Do not and interrupt goes, him. Hmm. And then he like walks around it going, oh, ah, no, I do not. So. Oh, yes, yes. I, I, mm, yes, I know, I know, I, yes, hello. And he turns around to face all of you, and then he goes, I cannot help you. <laughs> please, wow. el please elaborate. I do not know this language on the pod. It is strange to me, but um, I know someone who can help you. <laughs> Got a guy, now we have to get, now the guy has to get his guy. But there is a complication. What's the complication? Shocker. The person who might know who what the language is might be dead. That is a complication. Might but, be. You're unsure. But it's not too much of a complication. Please continue, Dr. Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Umantana. Please continue, Dr. Umantana. Dr. Sultana. Dr. Sultana. Corel glares at Slurp on that one. Well, well, um, outside of me, uh, I was invited to study, I was invited to teach at the new colony because I am expert linguist and historian. And I have had, before the new colony and outside and during, I had many protégés. And uh, my greatest protégé was uh, Marty Bonner. She was a fantastic student. The most brilliant person I've ever worked with. But then, uh, yeah, it pains me to think about it. But she got the, the Mocatel. She got the Mocatel obsession. The what? The Mocatel obsession. Just repeating words, mo uh, man. Just... Mocatel. Who is famous? The Mocatel is a confusing desert world full of mm, fascinating fossils and puzzles. Many, many xenoanthropologists go mad on Mocatel, chasing fairy tales. Krell's just, just nodding along. So she went to a planet with a lot of fossils... And you're annoyed about that because you wanted her to study your stuff instead. Okay, I get it. Which Where's the planet? 
is Planet Mokotel. If if Mokotel is known by xenoanthropologists, might Corel know a few extra things on this? I will let you make a history check with advantage. Uh, 19. Okay, with a 19, yes, you absolutely know about Mokotel. Mokotel is kind of like the... A bit like um, if Atlantis was a place you could go to, in the sense that it's a planet rammed to the gills with all sorts of really fascinating artifacts that no one can make head nor tail of, in the sense that there's a lot of relics and stuff there that seem inconsistent with one another. No one, there's no like, there's no convenient Rosetta Stone artifact. So it's just completely, it's really difficult to understand. And a lot of xenoanthropologists go there. And then it's like, it's a bit like the Norwich of of xenoanthropology in the Maelstrom in the sense that people go there and they don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Norwich joke for all you listeners out there. Anyone who's been to Norwich, uh, you know that you can't leave once you've lived here. You would know of Mokotel as a place where xenoanthropologists can spend their whole life and never actually achieve anything. It is um, the graveyard of careers. (laughs) This is what I told her before she went foolish. She was my best student, other than you, Corel. And now she is gone. I was going to say, wasn't Corel your best student? Look, I, I, I wouldn't want to presume, Captain. <laughs> you were an excellent student for a child. Marty was the future of the field. So, Doctor. Yes. Um, this Marty Bonham, can you give us, I mean, how do we find her? Oh, yes, yes. And he... <laughs> this is going to sound so creepy. <laughs> he has a photo of her he carries with him. <laughs> Just Sorry. a bit creepy. That's there, there's no way that can't sound creepy. Just lean into it. I just I don't know if I want to have her him describe her in his awful creepy voice. <laughs> maybe it's a, it. maybe it's like a graduating class photo. So there's other people there, so it's fine. No, it's a graduating class photo, but he's cut out all the other people, <laughs> and it's just her. <laughs> oh God, these are all bad. This is look look, Paige, you made your bed. I have to line it. L, the way you phrased that, it sound it didn't sound like he'd cut her out of the picture. It sounded like he'd cut everyone else's face out of the picture and just left hers there. How takes so long? Uh, she is a... Uh, Marty is a... Uh, he's a human... Uh, human woman. Uh, six, uh, six feet four. Very, very, very much taller than you, little human. Um, she has a uh, very dark, dark, very uh, dark brown skin, uh, Lovely curly hair, uh, and very loud, very loud, strange voice. Like this. I do not know what that is called, but it is not like me, not like good voice. Yeah, you're yeah. so normal. Yeah you, yeah, you speak very, you speak very normal. So easy to understand you. Please, would you show some respect? Oh, actually a photo. And um, he opens up his little wrist computer and puts up a, taps through it for a bit and then puts up a hologram. Of a woman with twists in her hair, which are uh, dyed uh, grey at the ends. Um, she has uh, really high cheekbones and quite a it's quite a square jaw, and um, she's wearing like a bright red lipstick, and you can just make out like the collar of a yellow leather jacket. Now that's a cool academic. And he goes, he goes, this is Marty, but yes, she went to Mokotel two years. Two-ish years ago? I have not heard from her since. So what you're saying is, she went through all of your teaching, uh, did very well, and then her response to all of that teaching time with you was to go and live on a deserted dead planet and never talk to you again. Mokotel is not a deserted planet. Mokotel is den of iniquity. (laughs) Same point. I, I'm just going to leave that thought in the air and you guys can make of it what you will, I guess. Right, I guess we're going to Mokotau. Wait. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. This is my new favourite NPC. We can't just find one person on one planet. What was it particularly that she was interested in? What was she studying? Like, yeah, what part of the planet did she go to? <sighs> she was obsessed with like uh, this idea of ancient aliens beyond what we know. Did they build the pyramids? <laughs> No. That was trying to say that. 
Yeah, fuck you. No conspiracy theories here, please. Like, was there any particular dig site that would be associated uh, with that? Um, I know that the 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 the, uh, the nexus of uh, the dig sites for uh, searching for aliens before the Drake Galaxy would be um, most likely. He taps his nose. Most likely in your nose. Most likely the city of Tormalin. Tormalin. And he just gives up and throws up the word Tormalin um, on on his data pad as a hologram of his wrist. And he goes, that place. But be careful. Oh, why? Because of the iniquity. Abandoned desert planet full of caves. You just said it wasn't abandoned. Semi-abandoned. Abandoned by civilization. What do you count as civilization? Not being full of pirates. Yes. Mm, I suppose that's I suppose that's fair. Well by that definition, like ninety percent of the galaxy is uncivilized. Do you really want to be doing this now? Yes. Do you really want to be doing this now? <laughs> Absolutely no. <laughs> Doctor. Yes. Thank you so much for coming to talk hey, to us. You're welcome. Um, so I have one last question for you. Um, yes. You were Karel's teacher, right? Yes. So do you have any like really good stories about Karel that may or may not please, be embarrassing? Please tell us. You know, I do have several. Karel stiffens slightly. Crick's interest suddenly peeks up. Oh, please. Yes, Doctor, do tell us more. I have several memories of a small pelter who would fall asleep on books, cuddling them like they were teddy bear. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I fell asleep reading. Reading turned into cuddles. It was cute. It's okay, it's okay Karel, you love knowledge. <laughs> Karel's Crick's furiously typing in his databad. Karel cuddled books. Whereas Lorelei stood in the back looking up on her data pad how um she can get uh soft fuzzy book covers. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> Imitana goes, E is all. I mean if you don't know anything about the pod this person can, then it looks like Mokotelian fairy tales. Wait, what like what 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 type of fairy tales? Is there a specific story about a pod? Not about pods. Writing symbols are same. Where did you find Bond? It was it was uh, underground. It might have fallen from the sky. Actually, yes, yes, it fell from the sky and then fell into a cave. It fell from the sky. It was accompanied by a giant fire monster. We killed it. No big deal. <laughs> oh, you have. That's a... uh, you make funny joke. I mean, no. we do make funny jokes, but that wasn't one of the funny jokes that uh, we would normally make. No, no. No, a funny joke is the fact that your name sounds like Sultana. It does not sound uh, like Sultana. He folds his hands together and just goes, uh, You are very rude. Yes, yes, they are. And I apologize for it, Doctor. Ladiesiness. You, I travel for the half days. I am 270 years old and I am treated like a fool. Well, you're acting like one. You walked up to the pod, stared at it for a bit, and then said, I don't know anything. Oh, and you, uh, we knew so much about it, didn't we, Captain? Well, we knew more than he does. You want to hear about fairy tales? Fine. Yes, I would love to. The fairy tales of Mokotelo that there were um, aliens before Trade Galaxy. Okay. This is not the first Trade Galaxy. There were other Trade Galaxies. Do you tell us more? Well, it's stupid. If, if a species was truly interstellar, why, why still go extinct? Is, is that a serious question? It's not. It, Do you know how many species have destroyed themselves or been destroyed by external events? Captain, you understand that if a species is on multiple planets, it's very hard for all the planets to wipe themselves out entirely. So you would expect at least one planet Controlled by an interstellar species to survive to the present day, yes? Karel, you were always good student. Thank you. How could this planet have been the nexus of, of a species if they are all dead somehow and the evidence is scattered and... Ah, here's fairy tale. Clearly there was a civilization on Mokotel, but there's no evidence that it could have been interstellar. Yes, exactly. So where does that fairy tale come from then? 
some of the structures look complex. But none of them can be made to work. Yet. Listen, human. We have been working on Mokotel for over 2,000 years. Paige might need to check timeline. <laughs> if we were going to find something that actually worked on that sandblasted planet, we would know by now. So, yes, I am sad that one of my greatest students is going to spend most of her life being disappointed. I want her to be happy. And you're not in the least bit intrigued by the fact that a fiery pod from an, apparently from another dimension crashed out of the sky and it has the same markings as you have seen on this planet. As we said, it's not a joke. The first I learned about this was two minutes ago. Yes, and you seem very keen to just abandon... Look, I, you know, it doesn't matter. Do you really want to talk to me or do you want to go to Mokotel? I want to go yeah, to yeah, Mokotel. I, I think the only thing we're, we're going to get out of this guy is like more Corel stories. And as much as I would love to hear more Corel stories, we got to do other stuff. Hardy's going to use message on Crick. Oh. Oh. Oh, dear. Apologize. Please. Doctor, I'm having a bad day. I wanted to um, say sorry. That's quite disrespectful of me. I do appreciate you coming all this way. Thank you. It is appreciated. I would like to be clear. I do not disrespect Marty. If anyone can figure it out, it's her. But I love her like, um, like Spawn! <laughs> I retract my apologies. Oh no! Because no, they don't have babies, they it's, have Spawn, it's, it's not weird! <laughs> it still sounds weird! Hey, it's Paige Dolby Evans, your game master, host, and resident dog person. I just wanted to say that the Junket podcast wouldn't be possible without the talents of the lovely people behind the characters. That's my wife Leonie as Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis, Duncan as Corel, Elle as Captain Mitchell Crick, Shona as Schlurp, and Jess as Lorelei Widewanderer. Our show is powered by a modified version of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. To learn about the custom rulings, mechanics, and aliens that make our game possible, you can visit our website, thejunkitpodcast.com, or just ask us on Twitter at thejunkitpod. Lastly, if you're both willing and able, you can support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thejunkitpodcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.